A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts oh, Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina Barlow. And this is Devin Leary. We are so happy to join you all today, especially with happy news for someone who deserves some happy news, I think. She's had a rough ride. And that's not, it's not Devin I'm speaking of. I was just going to say... This could all, everything that's being said could apply to me, but go ahead. She has had her face in the mud before, and that is Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan is engaged to, uh, we have to look up how to pronounce. We don't actually, there's nothing to really know about him, except he's in her hometown of Dubai, and he seems really rich, and her engagement ring looks really good, and she looks very happy, and Dumois has been posting things that intimate that Lindsay is on the up and up. She's going to be in a uh, Christmas Netflix movie with Next year. none other than Cord Overstreet from Fox's Glee. First of all, we met in Dubai. Not a great start. I'm sorry. But like just just not given given her past and the conspiracies that have been built up. Wait, what around- are the conspiracy? There's like a theory that she was potentially a high-end escort in Dubai. Oh, yeah, I can actually... I remember seeing pictures of her snorting coke and then making out with someone. Yeah. And I was like, that can't be a good... That's never a good night. You were like, happens to the best of us, but also, (laughs) is everything okay? Um, Exactly. I was like, okay, so it's me at Sarah Lawrence College in 2009, but also, are you all right? But also, like, is this sex trafficking? And also, I think maybe it was Dubai where... Lindsay famously harassed a woman and her child on the street. And <laughs> I'm, not, I'm laughing because it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. She kept on trying to get the kids. It was a refugee family that was yes. on the street. And she kept on trying to get the kids and said, like, you can watch movies in my hotel room. 
But the one thing I remember her saying is, I'm Irish Italian. Like, why, as if these people would care. And also, like, no, you're from Long Island, bitch. <laughs> she also stalks them and harasses them. And finally, the mom pushes her away. Lindsay falls to the ground and starts crying into the camera. Being like, I am so attacked. Something like that. It was crazy cuckoo pants. Yes, we love the parent trap. Yes, we know she's talented. But does she deserve <laughs> the second chance? Like, but does she? And and the thing is, her personality may be too far gone. You know, obviously, Brittany has been given her second chance. She's already on the Instagram talking about how she wants to be an advocate for people with disabilities. And she's so grateful for her fan base. Like, I don't see a woman who lied to the face of Oprah about how many times she's done cocaine. Oh, didn't she say like eight times? I think she said 10 to 15 times. And it's like, I mean, mm, is that in a day? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I can't see her really having that kind of like humility, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Also, I did watch, what was her reality show called? Not the Oprah one, but the one in Mykonos where it was like Lindsay's beach house or something. Yes, anyway, that was it. That was like her walking around being like, I'm a businesswoman. I'm a businesswoman. I care about the company. She was basically doing an impression of Donatella Versace as played by Penelope Cruz in the Versace Ryan Murphy miniseries and as often impressed by my friend and friend of the pod, Brittany Radica, where she always says, the company. That was Lindsay in Mykonos. They're like focusing on all these waiters. It's like it, basically the, sh the reality show was waiters and bartenders moved to Greece to work for Lindsay Lohan. And the thing was that it was supposed to have a similar vibe to the big shot with Bethany, where it was like all these people are dying to work with Bethany. But the thing is that Bethany is a billion dollar businesswoman mogul. Lindsay... No. So whereas on Big Shot with Bethany, it's like they're getting people who have successful careers already in marketing and business and have degrees and all this stuff. Lindsay Lohan's Beach House was like, I, I think it was Lohan Beach House. But anyway, it was like, hey, I'm Tina from Staten Island. And I really want to work for Lindsay because I want to be a huge success mogul in the hospitality business because I'm a bartender on Fridays at Shooters <laughs> in Seaside Heights. Like that was who was there. And then they would like get drunk and get in fights. And then Lindsay would say like, no, 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 this is, this is embarrassing for the company. This is embarrassing for the business. It's about the business. Do they understand? And it was like, it was shocking and kind of depressing and I couldn't really watch it, but she definitely didn't seem to have like humility of like, I'm so lucky that I even have a reality show on MTV. Like, I mean, who really feels that way besides like Snooki, but I or someone I who was would. made to be like a BMX BMX no, but you, you go from the bottom of the depths, like, come on, yeah, she really did hit rock bottom. I mean, Michael Lohan, her her famously awful father, talked about at one point like finding her in an apartment where she was staying with her sister, and there was just a dirty mattress on the floor. Yeah. And you're like, wow, addiction is real. Like she was making $7 million a movie at one point. This is all to say that we are so happy for Lindsay in this new chapter of her life. I don't think she ever had a chance. Dina Lohan is a hurricane. Dina Hurricane Lohan. They once were awarded a 
a one-year supply for Baskin Robbins. And then Baskin Robbins like released a statement because they were like, Dina Lohan shows up every single day here with like a case for Baskin Robbins ice cream. And the year is over and she's still asking for free ice cream. I mean, we've seen it all when we saw Living Lohan. I can't remember the names of any of these things, but Living Lohan, I think, was the reality show about... By the way, yes, I've seen apparently every single reality show of the Lohan family, but... It was about Aliana's singing career and it was about how Aliana wanted to be famous. And it was just a nightmare. Like basically Dina had like stacks of tabloids of Lindsay and she was like, oh my God, I mean, look at these. I mean, they never stop. They never stop. Like she like loved it. It's like, why are you keeping them? Um, And Lindsay appeared in like a couple of episodes, but it was like clearly they were begging her to be like more of a part of it. They lived in like a new construction like McMansion. It just was really depressing. I also will always remember the words of Meryl Streep. I know, surprising turn. When she was on Watch What Happens Live and Andy Cohen was listing off her previous co-stars and asking her to give one word to describe them. So it like, I can't remember what they were, but I imagine it'd be like Robert De Niro, hot, like, you know, whatever. And then he said, Lindsay Lohan and Meryl said, sad. That was her one word. I will also say that another thing that I do find sad is that Lindsay's fiance couldn't take the two extra seconds to place his jewel out of frame for the engagement photo or to decide <laughs> or to decide against throwing deuces in the engagement uh, photo. That as was a concerning man. to me as well. I was like, okay, this there is someone who throws those sincerely and some of the someone who throws those ironically. And honestly, at this point in my life, I don't want to be with either of them. You're right. <laughs> well, I would do sincerely. I would I would go for sincerely deuces. No. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> We're too old. We're too old. If it was a cord over street character and we were 18, maybe I would put up with that nonsense. Well, I just think it's cute when people are sincere about their peace signs. Cord um, over street sounds like a white rapper that a kid invented when he was 11 years old and Slim Shady had just come out. That is a very good description. You're roasted. Hey, cord. You know how you were on Glee? Well, guess what? The glee is about to leave your face when you hear how bad you were just roasted by Carolina. Court is so topical right now. This is going to kill. This is going to just everyone. Everyone's going to be blown away. Everyone's sitting in their cars right now listening to this with their (laughs) hair flying up behind them like a leaf blower is spraying in their face because they can't believe what they just heard. Okay. Court's on top right now. And that's why I have to take him down because he's he's on top. Yeah, he is. I one time was gifted a... uh, a gift card. I previously dated someone who was very good at gifts and I will give them that. And they gave me a gift card to get a massage at a very fancy hotel in New York city. Obviously very excited. I go, I'm in the bathroom of the spa. I hear a voice that I could never mistake having watched every single season of Glee as a grown adult, not as a child. (laughs) Um, so I knew I, I'm like, this is Leah Michelle. I hear her say one sentence that couldn't even possibly have more given me more confirmation that this was her. She said, you know, I've been working so much and spending so much time in LA, but my heart is really in New York. My heart is here. And then I come out to wash my hands. Yep. 
You're damn right. It's there her. she is. Her heart is in New York. And you guys, that is scuttlebutt. Leah Michelle might be in LA, but her heart it's is in, in New, New York. York. Can I tell you something weird, though? Yeah. I saw Leah Michelle in a spa. Okay, is this how we met? Is that where our podcast started? Yeah, I think so. We gotta have a spa episode with Leah. Wait, we actually should do a spa ep. I'm not, I mean, the listeners will get nothing out of it, but you and I will get massages. We'll just be like, mmm, mmm. Do you, I, do you make sounds in a massage? I do. I make orgasmic noises. Me too. I strongly relate to what Chelsea Handler once said in response to uh, like men talking about the Me Too movement and being like, oh, I can't like, so I can't hug women. She said that every time she goes to a nail salon and gets her arms massaged, she could easily orgasm right there on the spot but she chooses not to do it because that would be inappropriate. So she knows for a fact that it's possible for men to choose not to like jerk off in public or whatever. I relate to that. I could easily leave a spa fully pleasured without any funny business massage only. Okay. I'm 75 years old based on the wording that I just used. And now we're going to move on to an advice question. Yeah, without any funny business, let's move on. So we have an advice question from a listener who wrote in and we should have had it last episode, but it came in late. So we're going to read it now. This listener writes, SOS, romance advice needed from my fave podcast girls. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Listener says, I know what I deserve, but I don't know what it looks like because I'm used to previously chasing after withholding fickle people that don't give me enough. How do I start actually seeing the type of people I know I really want? And I couldn't relate to you more. It was so funny reading this. I was just nodding. Like, yeah, Yeah. of course. Who doesn't do this? I think it's almost insane how little I expect from romantic partners. And let me be clear, this does not speak on them. It speaks on me. I I don't, and I, I've gotten so much better at it with the help of therapy, but I, I have a really hard time saying basically, no, this is what I need. And if you can't do this, I don't know what to tell you. I am reading, this is a part where I'm, I have to say that I'm reading Gabrielle Union's book. Oh, yeah. It's uh, called uh, We're Gonna Need More Wine. It's one of the best books I've read this year. It's so great. Um, And there's a part in it where she talks about, the chapter is called Crash and Burn Marriage. She's just so honest in this book. It's such a relief compared to a lot of celebrity memoirs. Anyway, she says at one point, about her husband, I started handing him ways to make me happy, gradually making them simpler and simpler. What was the name of that soul food place we saw in Sepulveda, I'd ask? Maybe we should go there some night. Oh my God. Oh my God, that really cuts to the core. It really like a simpler, I make it simpler and simpler. Just call me back. Just say you're on my side of this. Even if you don't stick up for me, just say you're on my side. I would really ask for these basic things that to be honest you shouldn't have to ask for so first of all if you find yourself arguing for decent treatment you might be in a confusing place but 
Something that my therapist said to me that really helped me change the trajectory of my romantic relationships, and I've said it on the pod before, but it really bears repeating, is that if you are attracted to a distant person, if you are attracted to men, I'm very much attracted to men who deal with depression. I'm attracted to men who seem to be like, not have a wandering eye and that they're cheating, but like a wandering brain. Like they're just yes. not fully in the room with me. And that changed when I was 22. I had a crush on two guys. One of them seemed half in, half out, and the other one seemed in. And I was not sure what to do. And my therapist was like, you go for the person that you feel uncomfortable going for because you're not going to be comfortable being loved this way. It's not your go-to move. So I had to go against my nature a little bit. And that's always uncomfortable. It feels like, what? This is, and I felt like, it was cheesy almost. This guy would like say like, you're so beautiful. I hope you have an amazing day out of nowhere. And I'd be like, God, why is he making this so intense? Right. And it took me a while to feel comfortable being loved that way and having that much attention focused on me and someone who would say like, let's, we need a date night. Just the two of us. I was like, what? No one was telling me that. No one was taking me on dates. Like, yeah. You know, I would have boyfriends that would get too stoned to like take me home. Yeah. So I would say that I have to look at my picker and see that it's broken. The problem starts with me. It's an area of my life. I'm I'm sorry. I'm scatterbrained because I'm going through this right now. Literally, it's a mind fuck even reading this question because it's what I'm dealing with right now is like, can I imagine a partner for myself that's beyond my wildest dreams in the way I'm being treated? Not because he's like Chris Evans, but because it won't be hard for him to do these things so that he'd actually want to do them. Just like I want to show up for a partner these ways. So here's what I'll say. First of all, I agree with everything Carolina said, and especially that like going towards the comfortable thing. I was just talking about this with a friend about how like one of my core, like past childhood patterns is like, I think something's going on, but people are acting like it's not. And so I've recreated that in a lot of my adult relationships where I'm like getting into relationships with people where there's something to be found out. And then I find it out. And then like I spend the whole beginning of the relationship trying to find it out. And then when I do find it out, all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Jump around starts playing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I hope that you are not being hard on yourself because I have been very hard on myself in the past where I'm like, how did this happen? How did I end up with someone who doesn't deserve me again and whatever? And it's like, well, I have this pattern. So it would actually be really hard for me to not repeat that. It's actually really hard to change patterns and to have the awareness to even ask a question like you've asked about like, how do I do something different? Like most people don't even get to that point. But I would say that like it is possible to feel safe and loved in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And to me, the feeling of safety and security is the most important of anything. Like the feeling of like butterflies and freaking out and oh my God, is he going to text whatever? It's like, sometimes that's not good. Like sometimes that's like chaotic. (laughs) Adrenaline isn't always love. One thing that Carolina has helped me a lot with is like, if someone doesn't want to be with you, that's not a reflection on you, but then you shouldn't want to be with them because it's like, you know, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. And I did have an experience once where I was dating someone and they said, I have this feeling that you've always been ambivalent about me. And in the back of my mind, I thought, that's true. I am ambivalent about this person. I don't feel 100%. 
like I want to be with them. And shortly afterwards, I ended that relationship, which I feel like was the right, honest thing to do. Like that person deserved to be with someone who was not ambivalent about them, who was like, you are the fucking best. I love you. You're perfect. You don't need to change. Let's do this. Just like I deserve that. And so I would say, like, find the person who accepts you exactly as you are and doesn't play any games, just only wants the best for you and you only want the best for them. And that's apparent in all of their actions. And I know it sounds like a tall order, but it is possible to find. It is. The second thing I'll say is that I've struggled with low self-esteem my entire life. And like over the past decade, I've really been like working towards rebuilding self-esteem and I feel like over the past year, it's like I'm at like the peak of finally like feeling like I love myself so much. I'm really proud of myself. I'm a really reliable stand up person and I bring so much to the table and I'm a great partner and I work to be a better partner and all this stuff. And I think a part of that actually, as weird as it sounds, comes from this podcast because doing this podcast really, really terrified me because I'm not someone who ever speaks in public or like puts vulnerable stuff out there in public. And I was really scared. And I feel like the way we've chosen to do it, Caroline and I, is to like be really vulnerable and be totally ourselves. And it just felt like, okay, I did something brave and like, I'm proud of it and people receive it well and it helps them. So I would say like, doing something that you're really afraid of but passionate about is like something I res- I I would suggest towards building self-esteem and aside from that like surrounding yourself with the people who do love you like if a guy fucking flakes on you and you're supposed to go on a date that night call a friend who you know will be psyched to see you like call a friend go out to dinner hang out with people who deserve your time And if you're surrounding yourself with people who deserve your time and make you feel loved, I think eventually you'll find the right person. (sighs) Okay. We obviously, Devin and I are going to therapy with that uh, DM. (laughs) We are going to talk about our favorite love stories as suggested by another TR listener. So stay with us and we'll be right back. I want you. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
that's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And we're back with True Romance. Today, Devin and I brought each other love stories that we would talk about, our favorite love stories. Some of them, yes, are problematic. Some of them are not. Some of them are just pure, pure joy. Um, Devin, should we do this back and forth? Yes. Okay. So let's start with toxic love storylines. Uh, okay. And these are really the ones that you shouldn't love. I always say this, and I've said this probably here before, but like Beyonce's song, Sandcastles, nobody <laughs> wants to listen to that. It's talking about how she realistically and maturely grew through her issues with her husband and decided to keep her marriage together. It's like, that's very logical. That makes sense in the real world. It's not what I'm going to be screaming about at the top of my lungs. Whereas, sorry, I ain't sorry, or hold up like songs that are about the toxicness. Like there's nothing better than a banger about being in love with someone who doesn't treat you right. You know, like it's like that unrequited love or the on and off again love. Like that's the stuff that they make movies about because that's what's entertaining. Whereas in real life, if like Derek and Meredith on Grey's Anatomy just had like a perfectly stable, normal relationship, um, there would be no show. So the ones that are toxic, but I love them anyway, I will start with Kat. And Patrick from 10 Things I Hate About You. Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. Why is that problematic that it was that he was getting paid to court her? Uh, yes. First of all, that you're like, wait, is that bad that he was paid to? It, it was started on a basis of dishonesty. And then my favorite part of the movie is the poem where... Oh, brother. She reads to him about how she hates everything about him. But what she hates most is that she doesn't hate him at all. She's in love with him. So here's the thing. I do think that they had a real connection that she brought out a side of him that he wasn't able to bring out before. He was vulnerable with her. He brought out a side of her. She was vulnerable with him. So that I think is a good, healthy connection. But that idea of like, I hate this person so much, but I can't help but love them. That's... That's the stuff I love 
but is not necessarily good for the mental health. So this is weird, and I'm sorry, but you have to bear with me that this is weird. I've mentioned on this podcast that I'm reading Gabrielle Union's book. We're oh, right, right, right. Oh, my God, I forgot. So there's a whole part of the book where she talks about 10 Things I Hate About You. And she talks about how much fun that shoot is. They all stayed on two floors of a hotel and they all smoked weed. They all became best friends. She says there were romances on set and that she got two of the younger girls fake IDs. Oh, my she God. Got, like Julia Styles a fake ID and that they all went out every single night. And she said they were there for like a week. And she was like, and then Heath Ledger showed up and we're all so scared. Like, is it going to be cool? Is it going to be lame? Is it going to be cool? And she says he was at a bar and no one had their IDs except her and this other girl. And who plays Julia Stiles' best friend who's in love with Shakespeare. Oh, anyway, I love that girl. So they were the only ones who were over 21. So the cast and crew were like, go up and see if he's cool. So they take the elevator up to the bar. He's there with who they say is his 37-year-old girlfriend, who I'm guessing is Holly Graham. Okay. Uh, or Naomi Watts. We don't know. Anyway. Hot. Obviously hot. She says he walks in. She was like, he has curly, dark hair. He's gorgeous. And then he says hey girls and she was like as soon as he spoke i knew he was james bond and she said we immediately sat down and he charmed us and she said he was talking to us about art and shakespeare in the least dickhead way to talk about that stuff and she says her and her friend looked at each other and thought this is gonna go just fine and when she went downstairs they were like what's he like and she says he was a real man wow i love that How amazing is that? And then she said, I don't want to overstate my connection with Heath because we all felt this connection to him. And she was like, but every time I ran into him in the future, he would always hug and we would talk about where everyone else in the cast was. That's so sweet. It was such a sweet piece. And it it was my favorite kind of ode to someone who's passed because it wasn't about her. Do you know what I mean? It was about him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... And in a way that wasn't putting herself in the spotlight at all. So I love that love story so much. I love when FNT's, when the semi-sonic song FNT plays while they're running around the barn together. And um, he throws her goggles off and makes out with her. I also will say that another couple on my list that I wasn't sure which category to put in, whether it's toxic or realistic, was Ennis and Jack from Brokeback Mountain. I just can't quit you. I just can't quit you. Do you think that's realistic or toxic? I think it's heartbreaking. Okay, you're right. I have to throw in a one that I I am almost scared to say in front of Devin. Oh, no. But I have an appreciation for Cardi and Offset. Okay, as toxic? Yeah. Or as realistic? As both. Okay. So, yes, they've both been open about the fact that, that he has cheated. cheated on her. She hasn't cheated on him. She says that she wasn't innocent. She will say that in a Cosmo interview, she said, everyone is coming down my neck. Like, why are you not leaving him? You have low self-esteem. I don't have low self-esteem. I know I look good. I know I'm rich. I know I'm talented. I know I could get any man I want, any basketball player, football player. I want to work out my shit with my man and I don't got to explain why I'm not your property. This is my life. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to decide on my decision. It's not right what he fucking did, but people don't know what I did because I ain't no angel. Oh, okay. That's fair. She also was asked if she was pregnant and she said, no, bitch, I'm just getting fat. Let me fat in peace. (laughs) (laughs) I love her so much. The video of her 
when she's just screaming at the camera and she's like, ah, look who I met. And it's Robert Pattinson literally crying. And the fact that her fucking Twitter avatar profile photo is Joe from you. It's Penn Badgley <laughs> as Joe from you. Like, the fact that when she was in Milan going to a fashion show and she was wearing glasses that had cheetah fur around them and she said, we're in Milan, we're eating a spaghettis. <laughs> She's, perfect she's just in every as, way. as funny as any comedian working right now. She's just like the best person that we have. She's the best our society has. And so I guess whoever she chooses is fine. Okay. And I have a few more things to say about it. One, one thing that I really identified with was they broke up because of cheating. And then she just, without telling anyone anything, posts pictures of them on vacation together. And when people ask her about it, she's like, yeah, we broke up, but I needed to have sex. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never, I'm like, I'm so grateful that a celebrity is being this open. Yeah. Like I needed to have sex. And she did something that I thought was, she did release a video that I thought was really beautiful when they were um, uh, broken up for a period. And it was after she had her daughter. And she said, a lot of people want me to talk shit about offset but i'm not going to because no matter who i'm with nobody is going to love our daughter like he is and i thought that was so respectful and chills and i just thought beautiful culture yeah also offset tweeting fuck y'all i miss cardi (laughs) that's so cute okay (laughs) fine fine you have convinced me i'm on your side but it's chaos at one point he uh interrupts her set with a bunch of signs that say take me back cardi and she's just staring at him yeah like in she's so annoyed and of course then she goes on a jet ski ride in puerto rico with him and says i just had to get fucked that's all well it is tough because it's like i do want to say that overt giant displays of affection are sometimes a red flag to me because i'm like okay you really had to do that like really meredith you had to do this whole light and candles display because that's how fucked up your relationship is that you have to do this grand gesture just to say like we should move in together but at the same time who wouldn't say no to that who wouldn't say no to a bunch of signs saying please love me i, I mean she looks like she did in that moment but i also just think that's <laughs> like really funny did. okay yeah <laughs> But I liked I like them for their honesty. I like them for their messiness and they're not apologetic about it. I mean, at one point she filed for divorce and then retracted it and said to the press, I just wanted to scare the shit out of offset. That's which funny. I was like, okay, okay. Also, her song Be Careful from Invasion of Privacy is oh. one of the best breakup songs. You can hear how mad she is in it. And one part she just says, You make me sick. She Aww. says that like over and over again. And it's just a really beautiful song. Um, so that is one of my chaotic picks. Okay. I'm going to go with a realistic, like good pick now. I will say, and this touches on what we were just talking about. And I know I've said it before. I think Angela and Dwight from the office are a realistic, inspiring love story because they love each other exactly as they are. Everything that's weird about Dwight is what turns Angela on about him. Everything that's weird about Angela is what turns Dwight on about her and they would never want the other to change. They just are like, yeah, you and your fucking weirdness, that's hot. Let's go into the storage room and do I it. I agree. So 
I think they're freaks, obviously. They're both freaks and they found each other. And I like that, even though it is toxic, that she tries to marry Andy instead and makes Dwight jealous and then cheats on Andy with Dwight. That's kind of toxic. But I think their connection is realistic and inspiring. I do too. Okay. Now you give a realistic one. Devin and I have talked about this one a little bit already, but Amon and David Bowie. Oh, yes. I think they are, first of all, one of the most beautiful couples of all time. Yes. But also, I love stories of love at first sight. I think it definitely happens. I think it's a real thing. And I think that they were just supposed to be together. Yes. And there was, wasn't there a quote about them or did we already talk about it on the pod? It's really heartbreaking. Like after he passed away, she said, I only miss you when I'm breathing. No. Which I just frankly cannot. And she says something that a lot of widows say, or when I say a lot of widows, couples I've read about, Lauren Bacall being another one that's controversial, which I'll get into. But she says that she has to remind herself how much time she got with him. Yeah. You know, like we're all dealt a hand of heartbreak in this life, but she... Um, you know, they got married in 1992 and they were really private. They had a daughter. They were very close and very domestic. And she said, someone a few years ago referred to David as my late husband. And I said, no, he's not my late husband. He's my husband. I love that. So now we can all be devastated for the rest of the day. Because I mentioned it, I'll also say a kind of drama one is Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart. Now, I know you Gen Zers listening are like, who and who? I I have officially checked out of the conversation. Go on. (laughs) They met when Lauren was 19 and he was 25 years older. But they fell in love and he was married, Devin I'm sorry. It's just what happened. But he was married to a crazy alcoholic. Okay. Does that make up for it? I don't know. And so they were always going back and forth. And finally him and his wife had like one final fallout and he married her literally the day after their divorce was finalized. Okay. So you think that's a good one or a toxic one? If I'm being completely honest, I'm okay with it. And it's why sometimes I pause when I'm you know, going to go after Zach Braff or I'm going to go after Leonardo DiCaprio for dating girls that are um, younger than me. I'm just like, okay, I guess sometime once in a while, it's okay. When I think of a 19 year old, I think of a child. So I don't necessarily understand that. But with Lauren McCall is the same thing. You know, she says how heartbroken she was. And I remember reading a part of her autobiography and she said like, he was the love of my life. And Um, He just wanted me to go on. That was very important to him when he was dying. And he, and she says the same thing. Like I got 11 years with him. She was widowed when she was 32. I'm going to quote someone on TikTok that I can't remember their name right now, but I will put it on the Instagram who said Taylor Swift is still not as old currently as John Mayer was when he dated her at 19. Wow. Okay. That is pretty fascinating. And I find that sick. And I watched Casablanca in film school. Like, I'm sorry, but like, to me, the movies they made then were because they didn't know how to make movies yet. 
Okay, Casablanca is kind of amazing in a few respects. A, World War II wasn't won yet, and they were supposing that it would be on our side. So it was kind of an act of faith. That's all I'll say. There's some cool elements to that movie. I like um, things that are good. <laughs> that's, no, I just, that's to me, controversial. I'm like, I don't, I'm just not in, I've tried, I've tried to watch the classics and I have watched them and it doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I've tried to watch the classics and you know what? I have watched them. To me, the classics are like The Godfather and Clueless oh. and stuff oh, like okay. that. Okay, wait, good thing you brought this up. So I was watching The Godfather the other night. Godfather one, mind you, and fucking Al Pacino strolls in. He's in his military so uniform. It's the top of the movie. I can't tell you how badly I wish to have sex with this person. I was going to say, so Diane Keaton and him were dating. And she said she was really taken with Al. Can you imagine? From the very beginning. And she had a crush on him. She says, I was mad for him. He was charming, hilarious, a nonstop talker. There was an aspect of him that was like a lost orphan, like this kind of crazy idiot savant. And he was, oh, gorgeous, she says. And then she said basically that she gave him an ultimatum. Like, you need to marry me or not. And he didn't. And she says that she regrets how she behaved at the very end. But she says something which I think we could all identify if we were dating Al Pacino, where she was like, I really worked on that one. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of guy that I would ruin my life for. I totally agree. Uh, That's a great couple. Thanks for bringing that up. I will say another toxic, but probably one of the more formative love stories of my life. Lorelai and Luke. Gilmore Girls. So mm. I have seen every episode of Gilmore Girls at least 17 times each. It was my comfort show growing up. I watched it on loop. And of course, what makes the show besides Lorelai being the best character and I wish she was my best friend and my mom and everything all in one is the back and forth will they won't they of Lorelai and Luke. It's only when you get older because like I remember growing up and being like, okay, so he's perfect and she's perfect. Why can't they just be two perfect people together? And then I grow up and I'm like, okay, she is a little unhinged. I'm always on her side. Yes, I'm always on her side, but she is a little unhinged, especially when she like gives him an ultimatum after he's like, okay, so I actually just found out I have a daughter that I didn't know I had. And this like nephew that I raised as a son actually like moved out and it was really dramatic. So I actually have to put a hold on getting married. And then she gives him an ultimatum. It's like, well, if you don't marry me tonight, like it's over. And that was like, okay, no. And they often write those things in for her where it's like, she, everything's going great. And then she self-destructs it. But I felt like she tried to marry Max. He made sense on paper. He was perfect, but he just wasn't right for her. I loved that. That was painful, but that was a great, that was a great split up. Relate so strongly to that. And then Luke is the only one in town who wouldn't come to her engagement party, which obviously is so romantic. But then she fucking goes into his diner is like, why aren't you at the engagement party? Obviously, he, he's in love with you. I hate when she plays dumb and she's like, wait, really, Luke? And it's like, yes, obviously, that's what this whole show is about. So Isn't that so funny how like people do that? You're like, literally, it's like the whole Pam and Jim thing. Like if a guy looks at me for longer than 1.5 seconds, I'm like, OK, it's on. OK, day five. Day five of working with Jim, if I was Pam, I would have said, are we going to make out or not? Tell me now. No need for the will. Like, that's exhausting. No need for five seasons of will they, won't they? Just do you want to make out or not? That's all it would be. 
So I don't really get that. I don't get Luke and Lorelai. Will they want, especially cause it's like, I don't know how Lorelai finds all these guys. She lives in the area of Connecticut where I grew up and she's meeting all these guys. There's no men there. There's no single men. So Luke is like one of the only contenders and really you're not going to give that a try. Also Luke like negs her all the time and is like this macho, like kind of like, I love Luke, but he's like macho and avoidant and like not open about his feelings. And then like, he's still obsessed with his ex, that girl with the curly hair and they're both problematic and they have a problematic connection and I don't love how the men in that show are always like macho or brooding. Like they're not just normal men. Yeah. I think it kind of misconstrues who we're supposed to be attracted to. And it's also just a very old idea of masculinity. Like, of course he doesn't want to talk about his feelings. Yeah. Of course he's freaked out about the way he feels about you. I want true A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. 
so I think that Devin and I, um, judging by our choices, had a different assignment where Devin chose literal stories and I chose um, famous people. That's true. Also, I did do the assignment ahead of time and Carolina is doing it as we're recording. I'm so. like a creative bird, okay? My mind is like so many things move in it at once that I don't do what's explicitly asked of me. Um, what couple would you most like to mirror? Miranda and Steve from Sex and the City. I know that's shocking because he cheated that on her. Shocking. But they have a true connection. She's the breadwinner. He's totally okay with it. He's the stay-at-home dad and he's great at it. And then he, I guess, buys a restaurant, which whatever. He didn't even need to do that. I would have been fine if he didn't buy the restaurant because that's how down to earth I am. But they clearly have like a soul connection. I love how like she would think of him when she would walk by like that kind of like shitty restaurant where they would always get takeout. Like that was their thing. I would love for my thing to be like shitty takeout with someone. And I just feel like they get each other and also that when they came. So first of all, the reason why I think that that's like an adult, a relationship I aspire towards is the way that she learns to love and accept the fact that his mom has to live with them because the mom ends up having dementia. And Miranda is like, well, this is marriage. It is the most real part of the show. Of course she will move in with us. And of course we will take care of her because this is a partnership and that's what it looks like. I do think that I would not have been able to forgive him for cheating, but I also think that the way they came back together on the bridge is one of my favorite movie moments of all time. And it's like overwhelmingly beautiful. And I think they have a very high functioning partnership that makes sense. And at the end of the day, they will always come back to each other. And that is what I want, I think. Although Charlotte and Harry is probably the better choice because he never cheated on her. You know, they're having good sex. Yeah. And he never cheated. I am going to choose a real life couple. Okay. Which is, I really like what Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn have going on. Yeah. I love a Hollywood couple that moves to the middle of Iowa or Wisconsin or wherever their country house is, Colorado, and has a bunch of kids and gets old together without marrying. I think that's very yeah. romantic. Am I going to have a wedding? Probably, if um, I find a partner I like enough. But I also... If I was content in my relationship because of the romance, so basically just because of the romance, I would be fine being like, just make sure I'm your girlfriend forever. Yeah. I would love that. That sounds so nice. That sounds so relaxing. Girlfriend forever does sound nice. Linda McCartney and Paul McCartney met. And after they met, they moved and got a farm together and had kids and they never spent a day apart. Now, the codependent in me is like, bing, 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 dollar bill signs. But I really crave this domestic life that I want with someone to kind of disappear into my own universe with. That's that's poetically put. If you could recommend for our listeners to watch one piece of romance content, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend? Okay, so this is what I feel like an overlooked romantic comedy that I really liked. And it's Just Like Heaven with Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, okay. I've never seen that. Have you seen? Oh, Devin. Run, Don't Walk. Okay. It's a great plot. I feel like it's completely overlooked. Mark Ruffalo is overlooked as a romantic lead. No, I didn't overlook him in 13 going on 30. I didn't overlook him in The Kids Are All Right. Hey, you have hair on your arms. Great line before they kiss. So what is Just Like Heaven about? 
Reese Witherspoon is a ghost. She's haunting Mark Ruffalo in his new house. That's all you got to know. That is absolutely all I have to know. Republican exactly. ghost Reese Witherspoon. Moderate. Liberal activist house Mark Ruffalo looking at the dark waters, wondering what's inside. Can't wait. Um, what would you recommend? Okay. For this time of year, The Family Stone. Oh. Yes, babe. Yes, babe. Forever. And then for just in life in general, Fleabag season two. Okay. Well, I'm trying to, I, I like my heart can only take so much. I know. Basically, I'm suggesting that everybody cry in a hole for the entire weekend. <laughs> she does stay at the top. This is a love story. And Taylor Swift does say a circus ain't a love story. And now we're both sorry. Oh, okay. I, I want to slip one in last second, which is Taylor Swift and Diana Agron. Listeners, you might remember that Devin put this into my ear last Because Carolina was like, episode. okay, you think she was with Diana Agron? And I was like, okay, bitch. And Devin in all seriousness goes, yes. Then I go to Beth Jacobs, friend of the pond, fellow Swifty. And Beth is like, are you kidding me? Have you heard Wonderland? Of course they were together. And listeners, I added it up. And yes, I, I do think that they um, had a relationship. And the hottest thing to me about that couple is that Rumor has it they would dress up in disguises and go out together to like bars and stuff. Every time I think about Beth saying to a total stranger who was our guest that Carolina listens to quote like Joni Mitchell and stuff. I just laugh. Yeah. And the, oh, guest, laugh. the guest was like, oh, interesting. Because of course they would be like, oh, that sounds like a factual remark. Okay, well, anything else for our peeps? I want to talk about um, the dumbest ding dong couples that only make the list for what pieces of united shit they are and the two couples i thought of were giselle and tom brady yep the other couple i thought of was carly Kloss and josh kushner yep and that's how i want to leave today okay i agree i mean i don't have much to say about them it's pretty basic how shit they are they're just two bad eggs that cracked together in the omelet of our nightmares all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week. Please, you know, do the huge. If you haven't already, we want our folks at iHeart to be happy with us. We want this show to go on forever. So if you like our show, please rate, review, subscribe. Post about it. Post about it. Talk about it. We'll catch you next time on True Romance. Love you guys. Bye. Love you, Devin. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.